All right, Bulldog fans, our friends from Tacovas want to remind you that uh, it's festival season, it's concert season, it's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tacovas is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tacovas has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tacovas boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacovas has first wear comforts. So no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and a friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tacovas. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges shipped right to your door. Go to tacovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Let's face it, friends. We live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y dot com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having it outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members, and you can see who's kind of coming and going. You got that immigrated camera, too. Uh, it's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You get keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You get fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking. You got that AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months. And you get a notification before it runs out so you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight, camera. You can see who's at your door. You see these videos online all the time. Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, you can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? It's convenient, it's safe, it's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your, your doorbell. You don't have to worry about with, that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y official.com forward slash video lock. And it's time for you to gain control of your door. Again, that's Eufy. E-U-F-Y. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Maroon Friday edition of The Yard. Hope things are well with you wherever you are today. For some of you, it might be a payday. So uh, congratulations on that. You made it through the work week. Time to go have a little fun. Again, it is Friday. I hope you're wearing maroon today. Isn't it wonderful that we live in a country that we can celebrate Maroon Friday however we wish? 
Hope that you are uh, sporting your maroon today. A lot to get to today. We've got, uh, I want to talk a little bit about the Mississippi State Ole Miss recruiting wars of the past decade or so. I want to talk a little bit about that. I want to talk a little bit about some of the observations we saw in practice. We have been able to uh, to see about 15 to 20 minutes of practice most days. No, we will not be able to be uh, present for the scrimmage on Saturday. You know, the pads come on on Wednesday, and we had a uh, practice yesterday. And listen, there's no tackling to the ground. I mean, you're, you're just kind of thudding guys up out there. There's not, you know, there's not a lot of violence in practice. We're, we're not going to see a uh, Jonathan Abram type hit on Benny Brazell that, that ended the spring game a couple years ago. Okay, that, that's that's not going to happen. But uh, and speaking of that, I don't know if you guys have watched the Hard Knocks episode yet. Episode one came out, and a lot of it was about Jonathan Abram. But uh, you know, Gruden pulls him aside and lets him know, hey, listen, don't want you hitting our people, you know, <laughs> that hard. You know, we these are your teammates. And uh, the thing about John is, is he only knows one way to play, and that's wide open. The same way he runs his mouth, and that's wide open. So, but nevertheless, uh, some of that also taking place at Mississippi State you know you just you're not going to go out there and bang around your teammates I mean we want to have uh, good tackling drills and that sort of stuff but they're always going to err on the side of uh, of player safety and that's how it should be and I'll tell you the game has changed so much over the you know the last 20 years I mean used to you'd be deep into the season you'd still have ones versus ones doing tackling and I know even when Dan Mullen was here you'd have one to two periods a day when you'd have you know, live tackling between your ones. You'd line up and kind of get after it. And, and uh, that's probably about as deep as I think it goes these days. I just, you know, it's just one of those things where just people aren't going to run the risk of injury in a practice session. And we've been there before. I mean, we, we have been there before. As you guys know, that those Bulldog fans have been around a few 24 hours. We have had several players to get banged up in practice and then miss ball games. And if there's a physicality that goes with the game that uh, some of that is unavoidable. But, I mean, it's just like Willie Gay right now. Willie Gay, unavailable in practice. I'm going to get to that a little bit more later as we talk about linebackers. Spent a lot of time watching them yesterday. But, uh, you know, things are going to happen. So you don't want to add to that. You don't want to add to the probability of an injury by, by going full out. I mean, you know, it just, it just, it just doesn't happen. It just, it's a different day and time. It's not like the Junction Boys of years ago. I want to thank our good friends at Campus Bookmark for their support of the Boneyard. Stan Ray, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie, so many great people there that will treat you like family because in their eyes you are family. Many of you bought your textbooks from Campus Bookmark when you were students here. Now it's time to outfit your family, your office, your RV, your pet, whatever you got, ma'am. You can slap a maroon and white sticker on it. You can get some maroon and white fashions and listen mom, dad, everybody in the family wants that new Mississippi State pullover to wear to that season opener yeah and, and here's the thing too is we get into into school and football season Fridays are maroon Fridays for us and a lot of schools that let you wear your favorite college team's jersey on Friday we, we want your kids to be the sharpest and coolest of those kids so please visit them at campusbookmart.net and by being a loyal Boneyard listener we'll give you a phrase that pays that promo code is BSR which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson, and that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than 50 bucks, absolutely incomplete. Now, for those of you that follow recruiting, some of the things that I'm about to share are going to make you mad. 
Some of the things might disturb you a little bit. Some of it you might already know. Some of it you may have already forgotten. But I, but I ran the numbers yesterday because I was writing a little piece for the, for the Bones article on jeanspage.com about flips within the state of Mississippi. Now, I don't know if you're aware of this. Mississippi State has not flipped many recruits from Ole Miss with very much regularity in the past, you know, 10, 15 years. You know, we had the two big signing day flips years ago, Robert Elliott, LaMarcus Williams, both of those guys flipped on signing day under Sylvester Croom. That was a big deal. It was a really big deal at the time. You know, we, um, I remember covering all that, you know, and uh, we had a great source on Robert Elliott's recruitment, and that source was Robert Elliott. And uh, Robert was just really trying to survive the process. You know, he had committed early on to Ed Orgeron and then Ole Miss. Matter of fact, he talks about that in uh, the forthcoming book, Stark Villains. Robert talks about his recruitment and why he committed to Ole Miss and how complicated it all got. Uh, but, uh, you know, Robert was one of those guys that jumped on board early. And then as the process went on, you know, he picked up offers from Alabama and Georgia and Florida State and others. But he really always wanted to stay reasonably close to home. Florida State was his dream school, and he took a visit out there and, and, you know, kind of a tourist trip. But it was always going to boil down to State or Ole Miss. And so he said some things to the Ole Miss media just to kind of keep things where they were. You know what I'm saying? Like like he would he would interview with some of the Mississippi State media or their in-state media. What a lot of recruiting coverage with the newspapers back in those days. And let's say that he spoke to a, you know, you know, a scout, regional guy. It was always different from what Ole Miss reported. Now, some of that is them being homers, but some of that, too, was Robert Elliott told everybody a little bit of what they wanted to hear just to kind of survive the process. You know, and in the final days, he comes up missing, and it really was, it was no surprise, but it was, it was one of those things, too, that was crazy because for about six months, you know, this is back uh, before everybody had the crystal ball. You know, that's back when, you know, when, people really kept had to stay abreast of things on a daily basis you know we i think for six months we said hey listen he's gonna sign with mississippi state probably the lone voice in the wilderness back in those days championing the cause of robert elliott and then in the final days old miss folks kind of came around to it and uh, a couple of old miss boosters even went to uh, robert elliott's mother's house uh during the dead period to try to get to talk some sense into him I guess that's not fair. Maybe I don't know what their intentions were. You know, hell, maybe I know they were, maybe they're going to rough him up for all I know. Uh, but, in, but be that as it may, it was a very, very, very contentious situation. And so Robert Elliott and LaMarcus Williams flipped to Mississippi State on National Signing Day. LaMarcus Williams was a former Alabama commitment that flipped to Ole Miss when Charlie Harbison was relieved of his duties at Alabama. And then when Cheese was hired at Mississippi State, he flipped back to Charlie Harbison. And so two signing day flips, but you know what? That Those have been few and far between for Mississippi State folks. Now, one of the things I'll share, too, Dan Mullen was not real big into that sort of thing. Dan, Dan wasn't chasing the PR stuff. He just wasn't. You know, it's like we're going to go get the best players. We're not going to go play games in the media. You know, we, we, we were secure enough as a football program. You know, we don't have to go out there and, and put together some dog and pony show to, to rally the fan base. We're going to rally the fan base on Saturdays when we go win football games. That was kind of Dan's focus. He just he wasn't really interested in the sideshow. It's the reality of it. And there were a lot of our fans at times who would say, hey, listen, 
I don't understand. Why don't we go flip some of their kids? Well, the reality is, is we didn't want a lot of their kids. You know, and there were some other kids, too, that they were recruiting that we weren't on, didn't fit our system, or, or maybe they weren't interested in Mississippi State. I mean, there's all those things that matter. I'm not going to be, you know, John Q. Rebel Media guy here that says, you know, we get who we want, because that's not the reality for anybody. Not even Alabama gets everybody they want. It just doesn't work that way. But since that time, you know, there have been, you know, precious few flips. You know, Leo Lewis was a big one, even though he technically decommitted, uh, you know, from Ole Miss you know, a couple days before National Signing Day. There was really not much doubt about where he was going. The only people I think that were uh, they were confused about where Leo Lewis was going were, were Ole Miss folks. And, because if you, and a lot of people forgot about this, but the weekend that Mississippi State beat Auburn in a three-versus-two matchup, we had, we had game day here for the first time ever. Uh, Jonathan Papelbon was our guest picker. It was an incredible day. And it just felt like Mississippi State could not be defeated on that day. And we weren't. It was a wonderful, wonderful experience. One of the greatest games in the history of Mississippi State Athletics. And we win on Saturday. And then on Sunday, we go to number one in the polls for the first time in school history. In the middle of all of that, Leo Lewis committed to Ole Miss. It didn't make sense then. It makes perfect sense in hindsight now. Now, knowing what we know about the things that happened in his recruitment, it makes perfect sense. Because, again, it's about the PR shell game up the road, right? Mississippi State's going to number one in the country. We have to do something to answer. So let's just go ahead and show people that, well, you know, the kids really want to be here. Later than that, Willie Gay, uh, former Ole Miss commitment, you know, he, you know, he, was supposed to be committing to Mississippi State. I remember Paul Jones and Robbie Falk and I, we all waited around the, uh, you know, the Palmero Center waiting for Willie Gay to show up, and he was supposed to commit that day, and uh, then doesn't, and then several days later commits to Ole Miss. Later in the process, of course, he signs on Mississippi State, you know, as expected. I don't think anybody uh, expected anything other than in the final days, and I remember it was so interesting, you know, the LSU folks, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this with as much objectivity as I possibly can. There are probably, outside of maybe Alabama, I don't know that there's more Homer media than LSU. The LSU media, by and large, and some of those guys are my friends, but by and large, they really believe that LSU gets whoever they want. And if they don't get somebody they think they dropped them, they, they rarely ever think they get beat on a player. And so many of them... We're forecasting Willie Gay to go to LSU. Willie Gay was not going to LSU. I know there was some discussion about it. You know, he was a 17-year-old kid at the time, and you get caught up in the moment and that sort of stuff. But he wasn't going to LSU. And when many of the other people were, were saying, okay, well, we think LSU's got a shot, the final day before the dead period, before the dead period began, leading into signing day, Willie Gay and his mother we're in the Leo Seal Junior Complex on the Mississippi State campus going over to signing day instructions. You know, that's what they were doing. They weren't in Baton Rouge. They weren't in Oxford. They were here. And so that happened. And then I, technically, you know, I don't know, I don't know the truth, the full truth behind the Javante Payton story. Now, you hear two different versions. Now, you know, the old mess media version is they dropped Javante Payton. Javante Payton and his dad's version is that when they made a coaching change at Ole Miss and Hugh Freeze had moved on, he was no longer interested in Ole Miss. 
And so he ends up signing with Mississippi State. And so Ole Miss folks can make the claim, well, we dropped him. And Mississippi State folks can say, well, we got him. But here's the deal. The reality of that is he is a very, very, very talented wide receiver. And he is on the Mississippi State campus. So while that was not, I guess, technically a flip, maybe you don't get that same gusto of that one, you know, because they can say they backed off of him or whatever. Uh, and so for that particular day, on signing day, I don't know that there was the uh, the euphoria behind that, but I'll tell you, after watching him in brackets for the last week, uh, Mississippi State is upgraded to wide receiver, and he's a big reason why. And to be fair, if you go back and look at the brand of wide receivers that uh, that Hugh Freeze and, and Phil Longo and those guys were recruiting, uh, I, I'm perfectly okay with taking that guy whether they backed off him or not. I mean, because how could you argue against the fact that, uh, you know, for a few years here, Ole Miss did a great job identifying wide receivers that could go up and go make plays downfield. Certainly a strong point of the Hugh Freeze uh, recruiting machine when they were there. They could go out and find wide receivers. And so – I am perfectly fine. I, I, don't, I don't care what they want to say to make themselves feel better. I feel really good that that guy is in maroon and white. But that's a really, really short list. It's a really, really short list of kids that were committed to Ole Miss that wound up at Mississippi State. Really, really, really short list. But if we look at the numbers, so for 10 of the last 12 recruiting cycles, 10 of 12, Ole Miss has flipped a Mississippi State commitment. 10 of the last 12 years. And some of that, you know, you know, some of that is, again, the PR shell game. You know, some of those guys were non-qualifiers and never expected to make it, and it was just an opportunity to beat their chest a little bit and say, we, we took one of yours. I expect some of that to change because of the fact that it's, the sign-in-place process is essentially over. And there'll be a few guys here and there, but it's 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 going to be really, really, really thin soup going forward uh, with the sign-in-place process. Because, you know, back in those days, you, know, you, you could sign a non-qualifier and it didn't hurt you. Well, now you're limited to 25 signees. It used to just be as long as you had 25 new initial uh, scholarship recipients when you started fall the fall semester, you were good. It, you could sign 30 as long as you only had 25 enrolled, you were good. And so some of that is going to go away now. You know, some of that, the whole let's go sign a non-qualifier uh, just to get our name in the paper, you know, that that's that's going to be much fewer and far between. But, you know, we've talked about, you know, Jock Von Brown from Horn Lake. So that's the most recent decommitment. He flips from Ole Miss to Mississippi State. Not, not a huge surprise. And uh, to give some Ole Miss media folks some credit, you know, they, they had said shortly after he committed to Mississippi State that that one wasn't over. Uh, and it wasn't. One of the things that I'll share, too, is that there was no pressure for, for Jacobon Braun, Brown to commit to Mississippi State. There was nobody out there hotboxing him or anything. That was a decision he made of his own volition. And then, by the same token, he decides of his own volition that uh, he's going to go and play with uh, his teammate, Josiah Hayes, there at Oxford. Now, listen, wish him the best. Thank you. I hope he goes up there and gets a college degree and meets a pretty girl and uh, goes on and has a great life and loses four egg bowls and never enjoys a bowl game. But uh, personally, you know, wish the best for him. Personal success, absolutely. Team success, not so much. You go back to last year, Dennis Jackson from Sumrall. It was a real surprise when he committed to Joe Moorhead in June. Because early on, LSU was kind of the thing. 
That was the thing. There was a lot of talk about him and Nathan Pickering both going to LSU. A lot of that discussion early in the process. And then it looked like LSU was going to pass on him. And then everybody knew. I think everybody that covers recruiting in Mississippi said, you know what, Ole Miss is his favorite in-state school. And so it was just a matter if LSU wanted to take him, he was going to LSU. And if not, Ole Miss was the clear favorite. And so when he showed up here and he committed to Mississippi State, we were all kind of like, wow. And man, Joe Moorhead, you know, might, might be uh, turning over new leaves in Mississippi State recruiting. Because, again, he was a strong, lean, dull miss, and he commits to Mississippi State. And then some of his peers, you know, some of the guys that were committed to Mississippi State, really began to share with us, guys, it's, it's not going to work out. It's not going to stick. You know, he really wants to be at Ole Miss. He doesn't really know what's going to how this is how to go about all this. He kind of got caught up in the moment. And he really committed to Mississippi State because of Jerry and Jones and Nathan Pickering. And as I've said on my show many times before, if you're a wide receiver, until Mississippi State really kind of demonstrates what they want to do, they can show you not just the promise but the production, it's going to be difficult to get big-time receivers to come here, which was the case last year. You know, And again, if the kids in our state, if you, ask, if you go and ask the kids in our state, high school kids, hey, can you name me a wide receiver at Mississippi State? A lot of them aren't going to be able to do that. They're just not. But if you ask them, hey, who, who's your favorite college receiver in the state of Mississippi, uh, they may not be able to pull an old Miss name out of the hat right now. But last year, the argument would have been over A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, and DeMarcus Lodge. And so I don't fault Dennis Jackson for going up there. Also, I don't, I don't fault guys that grow up cheering for a school and like to go there. I think it's one of the most wonderful things that happens in all the sport. When guys get a chance to realize their dream, and sometimes it's a Mississippi State dream and sometimes it's not. But uh, that's one of those ones, even when it happened, I mean, nobody was really emotionally invested in that. You go back to the class of 2018, a signing day surprise, James William, Mississippi State commitment out of Callaway High School, flips to Ole Miss on signing day. Like his friend Malik Heath, he did, ended up not qualifying. But this go-around, Ole Miss not recruiting him, and neither is Mississippi State for that matter. But again, that was one of those. It was kind of one of those welcome to the SEC moments for Joe Moorhead. Welcome to welcome to Mississippi, Joe. Here's a little shot across the bow. Your very first signing day, just to let you know that we're here. You know, I I admired the gamesmanship, I guess. But that was one of those deals too, where uh, you know, I don't know what Ole Miss really gained from it, other than you know a little bravado maybe. The year before that take Yon Reed on signing day and I even tweeted out that afternoon and said hey listen he's going to be signing with Ole Miss and the kid texted me and said I don't know where you told who told you that it's not true well it was true and uh, he just wanted to add some intrigue to the announcement and uh, throws the Mississippi State hat and then shortly thereafter a few days later I guess a few weeks later he was arrested uh, in charge of burglary and then uh, Ole Miss released him from his uh, letter of intent and he hit the JUCO ranks but again, that's one that it was a it was a scripted and orchestrated deal to make Ole Miss look better at Mississippi State's expense on signing day. But now here we are a couple of years later, and what did Ole Miss really gain from any of that? Nothing. I mean, that, that think about this. Take Yon Reed. That's what he'll always be known for. He had a very unique name. It's not like he's a, you know John Smith. Oh, you're that John Smith. There's only one Take Yon Reed, and he's a very talented football player. Liked him a lot. I really did. Um, 
But how do you go get a job now at a Mississippi State business with what you've done? When you throw this one thing to pick the other school, but to throw the Mississippi State has hat in disrespect, that that's something that might not make the uh, might not make the the, uh, the job interview notes for your employer. But it is a it is something that uh, that people will never forget. 2016 Mississippi State didn't lose anybody uh, to Ole Miss. That was kind of a rarity. Uh, didn't happen. And uh, I want to get a little deeper into this, but, but I want to remind you guys, too, if, if you haven't been to Bulldog Burger lately, you need to go by. I'm a big Lauren fan. I'm going to go by and have Lauren this weekend sometime. It's a, it's a, it's a great it's, – it's basically – it's a great restaurant-quality hamburger add bacon, and it's got that sharp cheddar. So it's a little different. It, it's a little – the taste is a little bolder. And one of the greatest things in life is to be able to treat yourself to a great restaurant-quality hamburger great restaurant quality hamburger and you can do that right here at Bulldog Burger Company the, the best place to get a restaurant quality hamburger in the state of Mississippi bar none I encourage you to get the spring rolls they will make you and everyone around you better looking and we all need more of that we all need more of that even beautiful Steve Robertson needs more of that it's a restaurant closest to campus in Cotton District great service great people great food great value great atmosphere you always want to aspire to greatness. You can find it at Bulldog Burger Company. Let me encourage you go by, find your own favorites. Get the pimentology at bacon, but I'm telling you, I'm riding the Lauren train right now. Go in there, t- tell them Steve Robertson sent you, and you want to have the Lauren. Bulldog Burger Company, the place in Stark where people go to meet, M E A T. 2015, kind of an interesting year. Uh, again, I wanted another one of those uh, orchestrated deals where uh, Armani Lenton and Jay Johnson both commit to Ole Miss. It was like a camp deal or whatever. Uh, Armani Lenton has bounced back and forth between safety and, and uh, running back at Ole Miss. He's still there. He just hasn't done much. Uh, I'm trying to run the numbers here. I, th- I think he's I think he's got like 33 yards and maybe 18 tackles or so, but not much. I mean, he, I mean he's, he's, he's been Jaguar all the way. And people always – I say that just because it's part of the vernacular in recruiting. And people say, Steve, what is Jaguar? JAG, J-A-G, stands for just another guy. And that's really what our money Linton has been. And I really liked him on high school at Walnut. I really thought when he was committed to Mississippi State, I said, this is a kid. With his length and athleticism, he'll have a good college career. And it hadn't it hadn't worked out for him. And maybe it's because of the, they've moved him around due to needs at his position, but I really think it's because they've recruited over him. Jay Johnson did not qualify, became one of the stars of Last Chance U. Uh, redshirted at East Mississippi, but he was a, you know, a guy with a lot of personality and, and uh, got a lot of camera time. Uh, recommitted to Ole Miss, and they dropped him and did not re-sign him. And so uh, you, you might sense a theme here, right? You might sense a theme that's developing here. 2018, James Williams, non-qualifier. 2017, Takeon Reed, non-qualifier. 2015, Jay Johnson, non-qualifier. Get in 2014, another signing day flip, T. Shepard flips from uh, Deshae Townsend and Mississippi State on National Signing Day. I'd, I'd still like to know the truth behind what happened with all that. I really would. Sean Rawlings also flips from Mississippi State to Ole Miss. And again, I've got no, I, I harbor no ill will towards Sean Rawlings. This is a guy who grew up cheering for Ole Miss. Uh, his mom, from what I understand, her grandchildren call her Toddy. I mean, that, that, that's how Ole Miss they are. They are Ole Miss people through and through. And so Sean had the opportunity to go play in the Southeastern Conference. 
Ole Miss had not offered him the opportunity. Mississippi State did, so he commits to Mississippi State. And then later in the process, Ole Miss throws an offer in his direction, and he takes it. And he goes up, and he has a very solid career at Ole Miss. He did have some injuries late in his career. But I would think that everybody, Ole Miss included, would say, that, you know what, that was a good arrangement for them. Sean Rawlings ended up being a very solid contributor uh, on the Ole Miss offensive line. And so, again, that's not a problem for me. Uh, I, I, I'll be honest with you. I think if I'm, if I'm in hindsight, if I'm John Hevesy, uh, I might say, you know what, we like this kid, but we're not going to take him until late. I just I wouldn't do it. Just wouldn't do it. 2013, Caleb Moore, you may recall that. Caleb Moore is supposed to be uh, the next great thing when it came to running backs out of West Bolivar. Did not happen. Did, did, did not work out the way that uh, many of us anticipated. He ends up being a reserve corner at Ole Miss and, and really an unremarkable career. Had incredible speed, probably should have ran track. But uh, had he gone to Mississippi State, and that's one of the things, too, that in hindsight, too, if you look at the way that Mississippi State used their running backs, Dan Mullen would have known how to use Kelo Moore. He wouldn't have ended up being a reserve cornerback in Mississippi State. I don't believe I think Joe, I think Dan would have found a way to utilize him on offense because, you know, the name of the game is speed and spread offense. And when you look at how poorly the running backs performed under Hugh Freeze at Ole Miss, I think it's pretty evident that, it was all, definitely a wide receiver friendly offense, but they, they just didn't they didn't know how to use running backs. And uh, I think Caleb Moore, his career was kind of a byproduct of that. The year before that was 2012. Mississippi State didn't lose anybody to Ole Miss. This is the year they were kind of in transition up there, uh, but uh, worked out pretty well. 2011, Mississippi State loses a couple of guys. Nicholas Brazil out of South Panola committed to Mississippi State. He and Kendrick Market both lose him and C.J. Johnson. And again, Nicholas Brazil was a South Panola kid, and that was when South Panola was really running high, and all the kids went to went to Ole Miss. It just it, it was so. It's almost like you put yourself in a bad situation because you go out and you take a commitment from this kid, and uh, really galvanize them. If, if if Nicholas Brazil wanted to go to Mississippi State, I think the only chance State had was for him to sign on signing day. I think a commitment, all it did was just really kind of put more attention on uh, on the situation and kind of galvanize the uh, the locals there. C.J. Johnson, of course, and, and Nick Nick uh, struggled academically there, according to the Ole Miss release, and uh, went to East Mississippi, tried to get back. Didn't work out. I, I don't know where he ended up, but he was a very, very talented player. Probably could have gone to the NFL as a corner. Uh, C.J. Johnson had a good career at Ole Miss, pointed out a position but uh, probably would have been in, in the NFL had he played linebacker Mississippi State. He goes to Ole Miss and ends up being a defensive end kind of out of, out of necessity. But, uh, again, I think a lot of people think a lot of him at Ole Miss you know, because he went out there and played really hard for them. Uh, 2010, Cordell Giles, another non-qualifier, flips on signing day. Uh, and, again, just to kind of get your name in the paper. And so what's interesting is I remember talking to an assistant coach at Gulf Coast Community College after this, and I, and I won't mention his name, but let me just say that he's an, he was an Ole Miss alum. And he was absolutely frustrated with the fact that they that this kid signs at Ole Miss and shows up at Gulf Coast, and then they, then they never heard from him again. They never recruited the kid again. Never wrote him a letter, never called a check on him, nothing. He served his purpose. 2009, Pat Patterson. Pat Patterson, that's another one right there. We could probably write a book about all that happened with that. 
Pat Patterson uh, was here for the legendary 3-2 loss to Auburn. And then the next day says, uh, well, I, just, I can't play in that offense. And while some of our self-loathing Mississippi State fans kind of agreed, uh, the bottom line was Pat Patterson had a chance to play here. And if anybody believes that he decommitted over a 3-2 ball game, you're kidding yourself. So you go back and you can look at that. And so you can see why so many of um, you can see why Ole Miss fans get excited and say, hey, we're going to flip the Mississippi State kids just a matter of time. And some of this is kind of self-inflicted, to be honest with you. I think when you go back and you look, you know, Nick Brazil is a, was an Ole Miss kid. Sean Rawlings, an Ole Miss kid. Dennis Jackson was an Ole Miss kid. You know, and, and you could make the argument there are probably a couple more of these guys. You know, we had some head coaches that were probably a little bit too involved. But you've got non-qualifiers, and you've got some old Miss kids. And so some of this, I think, you, you can be a little smarter with yourself. And when you've got these guys that, that are surrounded by old Miss people and surrounded by old Miss influence, it's almost not worth the time to go recruit them. Now, you could make the argument, and guys like Derek Pegues, that was different. Derek was also built a little differently. He also talks about his recruitment in the book Stark Villains. He talks about that great punt return in 2007 Egg Bowl. He just talks about... Demond Glanton and Keith Fitzhugh and just kind of the brotherhood those guys have put together. So you'll be able to read about that. But he talked about how he didn't want to go to Ole Miss. That was the expectation for all his kids in Batesville. But because he had a mom that uh, that really was able to stand up and be tough through all that stuff, and she believed in Sylvester Croom, they're able to pull the, the, uh, the big surprise. And what happened, State does it on signing day. You do it on signing day. Derek Pegues never committed to anybody in the state of Mississippi. He did make a private commitment to another SEC school, and you'll, you can read about that in the book. But never made a public declaration because he knew the pressure he would face and said after signing day that he and his family got death threats because he, quote, picked the wrong school. It's amazing, all this over college football. And so... Many of our fans, anytime we get an in-state kid and Ole Miss starts snooping around, all of a sudden the ears go up and people are thinking, okay, well, this is trouble. This is trouble. And, and there is now, there's some evidence to kind of support those concerns. That's one of the things that I think people need to, to understand. You know, there, there was no value in taking a non-qualifier before. And, again, you look at many of these guys, they weren't re-recruited. The whole point of this was to make Mississippi State look bad make Ole Miss look better at State's expense. But, by and large, if you look at all these players that were signed, Sean Rawling and C.J. Johnson are the ones that really, really have done anything. The jury's still out on a couple of these guys, obviously. I mean, Dennis Jackson's going to be a freshman this year, and Jacobon Brown's still in high school. But this information is not lost on other people. You know, there are other people that are well aware, you know, there's always a dog and pony show out there. There's always some. There's always, there's always a sideshow to every bit of it, because it's not you know. And I've shared this many times. Our folks up at Ole Miss, our neighbors, they love football recruiting, football tailgating, and football in that order. In that order. So understand that coming in, and I think our priorities are a little bit different. I think in Mississippi State, we want to go win the football game first if we can have a good time in the junction that's cool too we want to go win the football game we don't want to win on signing day we want to win on reporting day we want to win on game day 
It's a little bit different. You know, we're not all built the same, and that's cool. That's fine, whatever. Uh, it's just like I can't count the times that, um, you know, years ago that some kid that would, he'd have an offer from Memphis and Southern Miss and Ole Miss, and he would commit to Ole Miss, and then by the end of the process, uh, there, these media folks are claiming that, you know, Alabama and Auburn and USC and Miami and the, the Pittsburgh Steelers all wanted this kid, and none of them did. Because it's not about who you got, it's about who you beat. And so take all that stuff with a grain of salt. Now, I wanted to get into a couple other things and kind of change gears a little bit. We mentioned Leo Lewis earlier. Guys, I'll tell you, I have, like many of you, I have been kind of waiting for Leo Lewis to realize his potential. I, I've been waiting for that. I thought maybe last year we would see him really explode because potential to come out last year in the draft. And, and, I, and he did take some steps forward last year. But based on what we have seen in practice, and again, understand we're limited what we can see. We, 15, 20 minutes, I think 25 minutes is as long as we've been able to watch practice. So we're not watching him fit gaps and that, that sort of stuff in, in a live scrimmage. We're watching him in drills. We're watching him sometimes in one-on-ones against running backs. But Leo Lewis looks like we expected him to look, and not just from a physical standpoint. I mean his attitude towards practice. One of the things that I have that I picked up on a couple of years ago is, you know, his body language always looked a little bit negative, and a lot of that's probably because of the stuff that he's had to deal with. You know, all the stuff on social media, the lawsuit, all that kind of stuff. He doesn't look like that he's carrying that right now the way that he has been. And maybe it's because the reality of the senior season is kind of setting in with Leo. But he and Errol Thompson, watching them work through drills together, they're a tandem that I think is really going to be difficult for the rest of the SEC. They, Both of them look like you would expect an SEC linebacker to look. Uh, Leo draws praise regularly from Chris Marv. And and I'll, Chris Marv, I'll, I'll share with you, I think I've shared a couple times, people have shared with me they think he will be a, a very hot name as a defensive coordinator candidate in the next couple of years. Goodness, I mean, if Bob Shupa likes to leave, maybe you just promote from within him with Chris Marv. But uh, watching Chris in practice and watching the way that he communicates with his players, now he holds them accountable but not in a negative way. You know, he can teach them and kind of slap their hand without breaking their will. And you can see how in the way they respond to him. And I interviewed Willie Gay early this week, and he says, we have the best linebacker coach in the country. The best linebacker coach in America. You can go read that. It's for VIP members on Gene's page. Gay very fired up about Chris Marv. And I think there is some real credibility between Marv and the players because he has played linebacker in this league. He understands what it takes. He understands it takes great practice. It takes great preparation. It takes great effort. And he didn't listen. He did, he won't let you get away with a negative rep, but he's not going to sit there and browbeat you and make you look bad in front of your peers. He coaches all those kids exactly the same way. The The standard for Willie and Leo and, and Errol Thompson is the same for everybody else. He doesn't let those walk-ons get away with it. He doesn't just say, well, you know, these guys are out here. I, I'm not really worried, and they're never going to play. That's not his attitude. He coaches every one of those players exactly the same way. And it's, it's been outstanding to watch. Mention Willie Gay. Not a full participant. Yesterday he had on a weighted vest and doing some band drills and doing some weightlifting over there in the pit. 
Uh, he's the the lone bulldog in a red jersey, no, no contact jersey right now. Alec Murphy upgraded from red to yellow yesterday for the first time all season. People continue to tell me he will be full go when we get into game prep. He will be ready to go. Still limited contact for him, limited contact for Kendall Jones. Uh, Farad Green and Keziah Pruitt upgraded from yellow to uh, full contact maroon yesterday. So the Bulldogs are getting healthier. But uh, a lot of discussion, you know, about, about Willie. And uh, he's out there now in the protective boot during the practice session. And when I interviewed him the other day, he did not have on the protective boot. Now, Jim Moorhead shares with us, it's simply day-to-day. It's not anything they expect to be long-lasting. It's not anything that they expect to linger in the season. It's just day-to-day. And here's the thing. Willie needs the reps, but you kind of you know what you're going to get with Willie Gay. You, you know that the level of effort you're going to get from him. Uh, and so that's uh, a big part of things. And we wanted to get him healthy and get him back out there, obviously. But this linebacker group, they are as advertised. That was one of the things that uh, we all talked about is, you know what, we bring a veteran group back. We're going to be mixing and matching a little bit up front. You know, we just need those D tackles to kind of plug a gap and keep those guards off the linebackers and not linebackers to, to kind of swoop in and make tackles and kind of clean things up. But based on the observations that we have had in practice, this linebacker group is living up to those expectations even when Willie Gay is not on the field. Aaron Brule has kind of taken his spot on a two-deep, and he's running alongside Tim Washington. Yeah, it's one of the things last year, and uh, and again, I'm not being critical of anybody else, but there's always – I think sometimes, you know, we in the media, and I'm guilty of it or have been at some times in my life too, we, we start rooting for kids, and you start rooting for players because we want to be right. And one of the things last year, talking to Tim Lukabu – one of the things that I picked up on talking to him is that when I would speak to him post-practice on and off the record, because sometimes you don't, you're not doing an interview, you just say, hey, coach, how'd it go today? You know, and uh, you're not writing a story. But the name that he consistently mentioned was Aaron Brule, and there were some other people that were saying, you know, Nathaniel Watson looks good in drills, and then you're talking to Tim, you know, he's like, yeah, you know, his head's just really swimming because he's making the move from wide receiver to linebacker. He's just getting bound athleticism. He said, you know, he's probably going to need a year to kind of figure it out. But Aaron Brule was the guy that made the move from safety to outside linebacker. And if you recall last year when Mississippi State had an injury, it was Aaron Brule who was pressing a special team service, not Jet Johnson or Daniel Watson. Now, we've changed linebacker coaches, but now we're continuing. When we talk about the young guys, the first name mentioned is Aaron Brule. And I will tell you this, look at Nathaniel Watson this year compared to last year in drills, there is no comparison. No, And, and I don't know if you know this, they call Nathaniel Watson Buki. That's, what, that's, what, that's his nickname on the team. That's probably an article within itself. I probably just need to sit a couple of players down and say, okay, give me the nickname guide, the Bulldog nickname guide, so everybody understands. Because sometimes it's just like when uh, last year when Bob Sheep called uh, Jaquarius Landrews Capri, I think we were all kind of scared to ask him, Coach, who's Capri? But it's, it's uh, Jaquarius Capri Landrews. What a cool name that is. Uh, but Nathaniel Watson has really taken a step forward. Watching him in practice now, he's not, he's not having to think as much. He's able to kind of read and react. And watching him, you can see why Mississippi State wanted him as an athlete. And really, even though he didn't have the foot speed to play wide receiver at this level, he clearly had the athleticism to play linebacker. He reminds a little bit of Des Harris, but a little bit bigger. That's, that's what it kind of reminds me of. 
very explosive player, a guy that just kind of follows his nose now. You know, he's not one of those guys that uh, is not capable of playing whatever we need him to play. You know what I'm saying? There's some guys out there that are just, you know, you just kind of put them out there and say, okay, here's what we need you to be. He could have probably done that. Maybe not at an elite level, but he could have filled a need for you. That's how you see him. He's kind of a utility guy. And then Jed Johnson's a guy, too. You know, when I watch Jed in practice, he doesn't look like a redshirt freshman. And none of those three do. I mean, and I've got some video going up this afternoon. You'll be able to watch yourself watching those linebackers and, and drills. And I think you're going to be as impressed as I've been. I mean, and listen, you know, there's so many drills out there. You're going to see some linebackers. Sometimes the the, the GAs are throwing the uh, the pass, and a couple times it gets away. You know, there's a bad throw where, you know, guy drops them. That's, you know, that's the reality of, of practice sometimes. But uh, this group is a really special group. And then when you begin to think about next year, okay, so we know for sure Leo Lewis and Tim Washington won't be here. We don't know what the other guys will do. You know, Willie Gay and Errol Thompson will both be draft eligible should they choose to come out. I would say right now Errol Thompson will be back. Now, Errol, and if Errol has a good enough year to go pro, then we've had a great year. If Willie Gay has a good enough year to go pro, we've had a great year. But the guys behind them, those young guys, they give me some comfort level for the future. You know, I, I've shared with you my concerns at running back. Really, really concerned about our, our lack of depth there. I don't feel that way at all about linebacker. I think despite the fact that we didn't sign a linebacker last year, you know, we really chased N'Kobe Dean and we chased Derek Hall, couldn't get an official visit from either one of them, which is a story for another day. You know, that's one of those things Till you bring Tim Lukabu in. Tim is a great guy. But when you have two four-star or five-star linebackers, two big-time backers in your home state, and you can't get an official visit, that's a problem. And I don't think the problem is with the kids. I think it's just difficult to acclimate to recruiting in the Southeastern Conference if you've been in the NFL for a while. And again, that's not a criticism of Tim. That's just an observation. But you got Chris Marv there now, and I think Chris has done a good job uh, recruiting in that respect. But we didn't take a linebacker last year, but I, I think it was really more of a luxury. And when you see the quality of play from Aaron Brule, Nathaniel Watson, and Jet Johnson, I think you're like, okay, well, okay. Right, we're, we're good. Now, we we got to sign some backers this year, and, and we are, obviously. And I think you you could get get a guy like Tyrus Wheat. You know that that kind of softens the blow of losing a couple of seniors. But when but I begin to think about okay, if our two deep next year is Tyrus Wheat, Jed Johnson, uh, Nathaniel Watson, and Aaron Brule, we have done really well. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That that you begin to think okay, we, we don't have a lot of experience. We're going to get some experience this year. We'll be it will be a much younger group group next year. But that personnel group is getting managed really well. Uh, so again, watch the video today. I think you'll be uh, think you'll be excited about that. And uh, it's always good. And I'm really glad we can do this for you. Know, Joe has kind of opened some things up. Dan Moen a little guarded at times, but we're able to come watch a few minutes of practice and, and provide some video today. I plan to focus on the safeties, and hopefully we can get some video there, uh, of some drills. Some, sometimes they do things that are just not good for video. You know what I'm saying? Like sometimes they they're kind of going half speed and working through some steps and, and and that's that's not what you guys want to see and so i try to bring some some value with every bit of that so we're going to work on safeties today and, and let you guys hear some of the things bob shoop has to say to his group it's always fun to watch coach shoop great teacher of the game great teacher of the game 
But uh, we've got a lot coming up, and uh, obviously the scrimmage will be held Saturday. We'll have a chance to speak with Joe Moorhead uh, and just kind of get his reaction from what happened in the scrimmage, and then uh, we'll, we'll share that with you. We're going to have full coverage of everything. Nobody's covering fall practice like we are. No, Nobody. And here's the thing. We're not limited by the paper. We can write as much as we want. The Internet is as big as we want it to be. They'll make more bandwidth. We, we will write as much as we can. Uh, Paul Jones is doing a daily depth chart. Not a lot of changes so far. I suspect as we get in after these scrimmages, you'll see some changes. You know, with, with Willie Gay going out, Brule has stepped up and, and uh, running second team at linebacker. But uh, not a lot of changes. But we're but every day we're going to have that uh, on the website. And uh, that's one of those things we do for free. And uh, anytime that we have a chance to do interview players, especially if it's the big room stuff, you know, if it's like a press conference situation, we're going to make all that video free. So come visit us at jeanspage.com, and uh, we're going to have daily comments. And listen, VIP members, one of the things that I do after every practice now, a new thing for this year, every practice I'm doing what we learned. What do we learn in practice? It's 15, 20 minutes, and sometimes we have conversations before and after, but we, we kind of find out here's what, here's what happened today in practice. So it's like 10, 10 bullet points. Things that happen in practice you need to be aware of. And so that's for VF, VIP members, and so you should come uh, be a part of that. And uh, we look forward to you joining us. Uh, and and uh, you'll be happy to know another hurdle cleared in the um, in the Stark Villains process. Uh, it's about to push off the print. Uh, they've already secured some websites, all that kind of stuff. There's some marketing uh, efforts that are taking place right now. And so uh, it won't be much long longer. And uh, that book will be in production, and we'll have an opportunity for you guys to do pre-sales. And and uh, excited about every bit of that. Cannot wait for you guys to read some of these stories. I, I feel like that I've been sitting on this, like I've been holding out on you. Uh, and that's certainly not my intention. But uh, it has been one of the greatest joys of my life to write this book. And I mean, just think about being able to sit down and talk with Anthony Dixon about what it meant to play for Mississippi State in the uh, in the Golden Egg rivalry. What it meant for him on Senior Day to be able to to get a win for these fans in his final Mississippi State game. And for Derek Pegues to have that punt return, or Brantley Jones to go to Oxford and win an SEC West championship in baseball. You know, and so those were such great experiences for me, and I'm so glad that we can share them with you. Again, that information will be made available to you very, very, very soon. Uh, be a lot of social media stuff and all that kind of stuff. And uh, But again, I'm very, very happy uh, that this is it's not just to move it off my plate. It's to move it into your hands. And uh, it, it's been so much fun to work on. It, it Towards the end, it really does feel like work. It, when you're interviewing you know, these great players and these great coaches about these great games, that's a lot of fun. And when you go back and write it, that's a lot of fun. Then you got to go back and edit it, and there's all these corrections and changes and that sort of stuff. That part of it isn't fun, but it's just part of the process. And then there's a lot of rereads and rewrites and, and all that stuff. And so... I don't think this is for everybody, this process. I, I don't know. If I, a lot of people that I know that are in the writing business could never survive this. It's just one of those things that uh, you got to have some really thick skin, but it's so worth it in the end when the finished product comes out. And so, uh, again, the uh, the book's laid out now. We had, that we make our final approvals on all that this weekend, and then um, from there it goes to the printer. And so, um, and, and I'm going to just tell you this, that this book has been edited and edited and edited, and uh, I've even gone back and, uh, edited behind the editors and found some mistakes that they made and that sort of stuff. So listen, let me tell you what, 
I'm, I'm confident. Uh, one of the things I can promise you, there's still going to be a mistake in there somewhere. There's going to be something that we missed. That's just the reality, and that's that's the beauty of the first edition, right? <laughs> and so uh, excited for you guys to have it, and uh, already beginning to get some people contacting me saying, hey, listen, is this story in the book? And I'm like, well, no, it's not. Well, but go ahead and give it to me because uh, maybe in the next couple of years we'll write a sequel. Maybe that's what we'll do. Maybe we'll have Stark Villains too. But uh, nevertheless, excited to say the least. Well, folks, it's going to do it for today. Again, we'll be back on Monday. And after uh, speaking to Jim Moorhead, we'll have a pretty good idea of how things look and, and all the discussions about Tommy Stevens and Keaton Thompson. That's all the discussion right now. Who's going to be a starting quarterback? And again, based on what we, the limited amount we have seen, I got to say, I think Tommy Stevens fits more of what Joe Moorhead wants to do. That said, Keaton Thompson is a game-ready quarterback. And if you look at the two games that he has played for Mississippi State, other than a throw or two that you probably want back a little bit and you would think college coaching can fix some of that, Keaton Thompson's played exceptionally well for Mississippi State. So uh, we've got a couple of good options. And, uh, again, as I've said many times on my show, we can like all the Bulldogs. We don't have to pick and choose. Even if you think Tommy Stevens should be the quarterback, you don't have to – to bad talk Garrett Schrader or Keaton Thompson or, or Jalen Maiden. We can root for everybody because it's all big one maroon and white family. Well, again, that's it. We'll see you next time. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends and enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.